Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Um, today, I'm going to be answering a question from a reader about uh, what should happen and who you should tell and how you should deal when your marriage ends. Um, and people ask about your ex and you don't have a positive view of the marriage. Before I do that, please click on subscribe if you want to access all my bonus episodes and go right to the front of the queue if you have any questions that you want me to answer on air or um, if you just want me to uh, do a suggested topic. If you don't have any particular question about your life, you can also write in with suggested topics. The more specific, the better. So I really know what you're trying to address. And you can always email me and the link is right in the um, podcast. So anyhow, this reader writes in and I'm going to read what she wrote. She wrote, hi, I had a long-term relationship with a narcissistic abuser. I got out and life got better. First with five years of being single. Then I met a loving, kind man, uh, who I'm truly happy and healthy. Um, I'm just going faster. So it's not word for word. I am perplexed when friends ask me if I still keep in touch with my ex. I haven't gone no contact cause I communicate with him about our kids. Um, but communication is rare and minimal. I don't miss him. I don't wish to know about his life. I used to tell my friends that I just wasn't in touch, but I feel like I covered up the abuse for so many years. It feels more liberating to say something bluntly, factually truthful, like I don't have any contact with him apart from necessary communication about the kids. He was abusive to me, so I have no reason to keep in touch with him. When I say something like this, the response is usually silence, even from close friends. I'm wishing they would reply with some basic acknowledgement and solidarity, like saying, I'm sorry that happened to you. You didn't deserve that. I find their silence unnerving. I'm wondering if they don't believe me or believe there must be two sides to every story. I also feel it is rude for them to bring up. Um, if I wanted to bring up my ex, then I would. Um, there seems to be an assumption that being friends with one's ex is admirable. I've always thought it would be ideal to be friends, but in some cases it's simply not healthy. Even harder is I've never told my now adult children about the abuse, not wanting to burden them with the knowledge nor alienate them from their dad. I'm now wondering whether I should share with them the truth of my experience, not the details, of course, but then I think if they wanted to know, they would ask, and maybe they already know more than I realize, although he was very skilled at keeping the abuse hidden. I don't want to go on about the abuse, which is now firmly in the past, but neither do I want to go out of my way to cover it up. I want simply to acknowledge the truth of what happened and move on to the healthy life I know I now have. What should I say to friends and my kids? Thanks. So, all right. So thanks for writing in. And um, as usual, like there, you know, listen, there are many ways to deal with um, divorces. And I was going to say, as usual, it's a complex situation when divorce is involved with kids and um, particularly what to say to kids about why the marriage ended. I believe that, uh, reader, you've done the right thing. You know, you're not alienating them from their dad. You're not um, saying that he was a bad guy. Remember, they have 50% of his DNA. So as I write in my book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Your Divorce, you know, you want to make sure that they still have good memories of him. You poisoning the well, he may have been a bad husband, but a good dad. Apparently he was because they still have a relationship with him. So poisoning the well is not um, going to be a good thing for your kids. You know, and if you think that their dad was an abusive monster, then that's 50% of their DNA. And so then they feel, what are they, right? So um, you say that your friends um, are not giving you the response that you want. So 
in these cases, I mean, these people may have known you with this guy for many years, and they know that he's still uh, a good dad, and so, yeah, they may have different thoughts about him, but the point is, why should this really bother you? So I believe that the place that is the best place to talk about what you perceive happened in your marriage would be therapy. And if you have, or a support group, uh, it seems like you've moved on, so you don't need a support group about actively being in a divorce. But of course, I try to make these responses general enough to apply to most people in a similar situation. So if you find yourself getting not good responses or not preferred responses from your friends, then I would just kind of move forward. Assume that you know, that is what it is, and that if there is any sort of other processing or venting that you want to do, you know, do that with a therapist. Because friends don't have to, you know, they don't have to decide not to like him or ask about him. Like, they can, you can decide whether or not to be their friend, but they do not have to necessarily, you know, um, call him an abuser or think that he was an abuser. That's your determinant to make is whether or not you can be friends with somebody who still asks about him or thinks about him positively. So you can't control what other people do. You can only decide if you want to be friends with them. So your kids and your friends are totally different situation. If you want to tell your friends everything that happened in the marriage, then you can, you know, only if, I would say ethically only if, they are not going to tell your kids, you know, any nitty gritty like details that you would not want your kid to know. So I wouldn't say that it would be a good idea to, um, you know, talk to really confide in a friend whose uh, daughter is the best friend of your daughter, right? I mean, this wouldn't be smart because then whatever you say, you got to assume that your daughter is going to hear. If you have a daughter, you didn't tell me the gender of your kids. So, yeah, I mean, you do want to, in many ways, uh, present that this was a divorce that, you know, of two good people, no matter what you think personally. Now, of course, you said like, Uh, People believe that there's two sides to every story. I believe there's two sides to every story too. Otherwise, I would be a pretty bad psychologist, right? I would be pretty terrible at working with couples. So I firmly believe that there are two sides to every story. And I've worked with a lot of abused partners, you know, and in fact, uh, worked in a domestic violence rotation as well. And even in these situations, it's a crazy relationship. The whole relationship is toxic. There are so few situations where it's just a sociopath that is, you know, uh, abjectly harassing and just um, traumatizing one trapped person. This is not a usual situation. That would be more of a sociopath. With a narcissist, it's more of a codependent situation. And recognizing that it's unhealthy and getting out is great. And it seems like that's what you did. You realized that it was an unhealthy dynamic. And hopefully in whatever therapy you did, you know, you figured out why you were drawn to your ex-husband. You know, and usually in these situations, it's because you grew up seeing a more narcissist, codependent uh, dynamic in your family of origin. So then you were, um, you know, that was a familiar pattern to you. So 
any relationship between two adults, you know, where a person, again, is not keeping the other one captive, is, is going to be a difficult dynamic and a toxic dynamic. So there are many people that come in and say um, in couples counseling, oh, uh, my husband's just a narcissist. There's nothing to do about it. You know, no, that's not true. That's what people used to say about borderline personality disorder, by the way. They used to say, oh, borderlines can't even treat them. Uh, Just kind of put them inpatient and that's that. That's not real. That is not what we now know. And that is used to be how anybody with any mental illness was perceived, by the way, as unfixable and untreatable and just like a, you know, uh, a, a hopeless case. This is not true, and I successfully engage with many narcissists in couples counseling, and I uh, could link you to something I wrote for Psych Central on that, um, but either way, th- there are two sides to the story of the marriage, for sure, you know, and so whatever led your husband to act how he did is part of his story, and whatever he thought about how you acted is part of the story, so there is no marriage, and in fact, I, I write about this a lot, that um, divorce is a really good opportunity to think about your own contribution, and if you can just get to that, yeah, you stayed in a codependent situation for too long because of issues related to your own self-esteem that emerged in your upbringing, then even that in and of itself would be a lot different than just saying, yeah, he was an abuser. Because So let's say that your kids, your adult children one day do say to you, now you're right, if they're not asking you any questions, it's because they do not want to know and they have made their own judgment and that's their um, right as, as adults, right? But let's say they do come to you and they say, uh, so why did you leave dad, right? Or why did he leave you? What, however it ended up. So you got a choice there. I mean, one way is saying he was a narcissistic abuser and then putting that firmly in like, on, you know, uh, very black and white so that they're supposed to view him as a monster. And if they don't, then, you know, then they're kind of not allied with mom who's a victim Or else you could say it was a really unhealthy dynamic. You know, he had narcissistic traits. I had codependent traits. And we were like trapped in this thing together. And I, when I thought about it, I thought honestly that uh, it was a pattern I saw growing up. And I really never should have gotten into it. There were signs from the beginning that this would not be a healthy relationship. But I stayed. And so the good part of it is that I had you guys. And uh, hopefully we gave you a good childhood. And there were moments, you know, that I was happy and moments that I was not. And now that is in my past. I realized that it was not a healthy dynamic. And, uh, and I'm moving forward. And, you know, so that's, that's the story. But dad has always been a good dad to you or he he is as good as, you know, as he can be. And so, you know, I will never be upset if you maintain a relationship with him, which is why I never gave you this, you know, even this story in the first place. So that would be a really good way to discuss this with your kids if they ever do come to you. Right. So you're saying this was an unhealthy relationship. And if you want to say that to your friends, by the way, I think you're going to get a lot better response with a lot more empathy because, you know, maybe your friends too uh, believe, as you said yourself, that there's two sides to every story, which, again, is something I agree with. And so, 
you know, they they feel like, well, shit, you're with the guy for a long time. And so it can't be just unilateral that, you know, this is just a turns out to have been a horrible monster. Maybe they would be more empathic and more supportive if they felt that there was, um, you know, kind of some insight on your end. It's always very... Um, it's a lot easier to have people empathize with you if you make yourself, you know, somebody who, who can look inward. You know, that's what people really respond to. So maybe next time if somebody's like, well, how is Bob? You know, first of all, again, you don't have to take it personally that they're asking. These, you, they're not your therapist. You can find a therapist to discuss this with, right? If you still have a lot of anger or anything unresolved toward Bob, I'm making Bob up, obviously. I don't know that's his name. Got it from What About Bob? Um, but uh, so you could say, well, you know, Bob and I don't really talk. As I've mentioned before, you could say to your friend, um, it was really an unhealthy relationship now that I think about it. I'm really firmly glad to be on the other side of it. Of course, he does maintain contact with the kids, and I'm very grateful for that. And then that's it. You know, they don't need to say anything um, specific. You know, they are their own people. Don't cut off friends. Don't cut off all your friends. You have the choice, of course. I'm just advising you, like, to be, you know, because uh, I want you to still have friends. <laughs> don't cut off all these friends if they don't say exactly the right thing, right? So you have a very specific view of what happened, but if they don't share it, believe me, it's better to have some friends than not to have any friends because they don't respond the right way or not to have any friends from that phase. Although you can make this call. A lot of people lose friends in divorce because of things like this. And so that is normal. But, you know, it's better to maintain some sort of friendship and some sort of connection. You never know. In another 10 years, you may not give a shit if anybody asks about Bob, you know, and then it's good to have these friends in your life in some capacity. It is hard in today's day and age to make friends, so if you have some, you know, try to keep them around as many as possible in whatever capacity. Some people will be more sympathetic, some less. Some people, you know, you could talk about Bob with some people you can't, but not everybody has to be the same kind of friend. If you're a highly sensitive person, then you tend to want uh, this deep soul connection with all friends, but that may not be uh, reasonable and it may not be good because then you get, you kind of winnow out people who could potentially be good friends in other capacities, even if they're not going to be the ones that you confide in deeply. Everybody has different types of friends for different, um, you know, things in their life. Some people are activity partners, some people are people you talk about the kids with, some people you could travel with, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that this was an interesting point of view for you that can maybe give you some new things to think about. And for my listeners in any sort of similar situation, the same exact advice applies. Take as even-handed um, and really deeply introspective position as you can about viewing the dissolution of a marriage as a as a co-created phenomenon, right? Whenever there's black and white victim perpetrator um, frames, that is not going to be good for you mentally, because of course places you in a role of victim, which is not a very empowering role. And it also really does not set you up for further deep work on why you get into difficult dynamics. And, um, you know, you say that you're in a new relationship now, that's great. I hope that it is works out really well, but 
if there were any, um, you know, red flags that it was getting into another unhealthy dynamic, it would be really good for you to have already thought deeply about how you got into the previous relationship in the first place and how you um, you and your ex both created a dysfunctional dynamic. So um, I, again, I hope that this gave everybody some food for thought and I hope everybody has a great day. Bye-bye.